Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, I know that some in our audience know the finer points of hockey. The Chris Johnston Show. We are your friends. The biggest stories bringing you inside the game. What did you hear? The Chris Johnston Show. What is going on? Here's Chris with your host, Julian McKenzie. Part of the game. Leafs corner to start today, but we also have to touch on Corey Perry, Elvis Merzlikens. Uh, the Edmonton Oilers are playing really well. I have a question uh, about uh, two other really good Canadian teams, uh, Shane Pinto, of course, and uh, Ask CJ. And if you want to talk about it, we will allow space for you to talk about it, CJ. You know what it means, right? Yeah, I'm over it. No, it's you're okay. not. No, you're yes, not. Yes, I am. No, you're not. I am. When How your team gets you... beat that thoroughly, when you come away from the game and there's no yeah, but there's no the referee screwed this up or maybe they should have called this play instead of that play when they lose from top to bottom. Like I was already I had like mourned the season before the game was over uh, and I literally have no yeah, buts. No, this should have been different. I mean, everything was in the Cowboys favor. They had a home game. They hadn't lost at home in 16 games. I, you know, obviously I expected better, but tip your cap to the Packers. I'm still in a spread pool with the hockey writers. So I'm, uh, I've got a reason to watch the remaining playoff games and let's uh, bring on a new head coach in Dallas. Okay. Can I tell you, I got to tell you something I discovered yesterday with regards to uh, the teams you have affinity for uh the toronto blue jays and the dallas cowboys i discovered this yesterday and i'm sorry i have to break this to you <laughs> so we started our podcast in september 2021 it was a great time and you mentioned a couple days ago uh this is what the fourth different calendar year we've started a show um your teams uh if you combine all the playoff records between the jays and the cowboys uh your teams are one in seven in the playoffs since this and podcast I, began. And I've watched all eight games. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. I, and I'm I, ready I, to be heard again, right. man. Like, I'm not, I'm not jumping off any bandwagons or anything like that. Like, I'm still, Cowboys are my ride or die, but they, they died a pretty horrific death yesterday for the 23-24 version of them anyway. Okay, let's 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 not endure more pain. Uh, let's not have you endure more pain when it comes to your. Teams. I'm telling you, I'm over it. I'm telling you. Okay, I'm, I'm telling you. There's a. I, I have allotted time, and a space. If you want to talk about it, but if you say you're good, we don't have to go there. 
We could talk about a team that uh, is, uh, well, the Toronto Maple Leafs yesterday, not necessarily going through the greatest of times. I mean, Ilya Samsonov is back, but uh, a lot of people, uh, maybe more so our fearless leader, Steve Dangle, upset about the fact that they uh, blew uh, a lead on the Saturday against Colorado, and then they lose to a team that only got to the arena, what, 75, 90 minutes beforehand? Uh, it, it's it, it started to become one of those little moments in Toronto where panic is setting in again. Some of the best players aren't performing the way that they should, and people are wondering if Sheldon Keefe is on the hot seat. We've navigated this before on this show. Let's make sense of this uh, after their overtime loss to Detroit yesterday. Where do we start? Well, I mean, I mean, there might be panic. I, I wasn't online too much during the game yesterday because I was watching the Cowboys. But, you know, the Leafs won four games in a row and then they just lost three, one of them in overtime in Long Island. So they got one out of potentially six points. I mean, they've certainly been not as consistent as you'd like. They are firmly in a playoff spot still. I know now Detroit and, and Tampa are both creeping up on them, but they're they're third in the Atlantic. And yeah, I think where we're at basically at the halfway point of their season, midway point with 41 games down, they're a good team, just not a great team um, at this point in time. And, and, you know, I think it's right for people to say, well, it doesn't look like this, this current version of the Leafs is ready to challenge for a cup, but I mean, it, there's still half a season to go. So, you know, you, you won't get many bold uh, takes from me on, on the Leafs at this point. I, but look, it, it, I mean, there's no sugarcoating that, you know, it's, there's been some ups and downs already this year. And, and I think defensively there's concerns there. I mean, if anything, my takeaway seeing Samsonov play against Detroit after two weeks of not playing and one week kind of, you know, being off on his own to clear his head is I thought he was pretty good given given that uh, certainly wouldn't lay the, the loss at his feet, but you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm just more, I, I want to see more. I, I, I don't, I certainly don't think they're terrible. I like, I, I, I can't take the temperature right now. I mean, it's minus 22 Celsius in Toronto today. So I, 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 I don't, I don't know what, I don't know what's hot around here. I don't know if people are freaking out or not. Um, you know, they were up three nothing against Colorado. Colorado is one of the better teams in the league. They let that game get away, but to me, it's not like they're being thoroughly outclassed or anything like that. I mean, that, to me, it's not like pound the panic button at this point. But you know, certainly they're off. They're not as good a team right now as they were last year. And last year, of course, they got to the second round and didn't get anywhere near winning the, the cup that they're trying to win. So you know, it's hard to point to any areas of improvement. Uh, which is probably a bigger picture concern if you're talking about can this group actually go on a long playoff run and and win a championship. So when you see people say that their upcoming road trip out west, they play in Edmonton on Tuesday, they're going to Calgary on Thursday, the Vancouver Canucks are on that trip as well, the Kraken too. So when you see people wonder if the wheels could fall off, how do you respond to that? Well, it's not an easy road trip, right? I mean, you're you're talking about you know, a team like Edmonton's the hottest team in the league. I, I know that they, they had to come from a long way back, basically almost at the bottom of the league. Um, but, you know, it's it's been pretty clear for a while now that they're they're kind of who we they who we thought they were entering the season. Um, you know, they've really got things in a good place there. Obviously, Vancouver's been one of the great stories of the year. If we're looking for one team that is as hot as Edmonton, Seattle happens to be the other team uh 
you know, as we record this on a nine game winning streak, I, I know they play on Monday afternoon. So it will be slightly outdated one way or the other, but certainly they're either going to have won 10 in a row or nine and one in their last 10 after today. So um, yeah, that, that's not an easy road trip. I, I got to say in my years, when I used to cover the Leafs on the road a lot, it was always one of my favorite road trips of the year. I mean, all great hockey cities is always fairly split crowds or at least, you know, a sense of two teams and two, two fan bases in the building at the same time. And, you know, it might be just what the doctor ordered. I mean, who's to say the Leafs went to California and now that's a different California is a different challenge these days. I mean, LA have been struggling a little bit and obviously, and I'm in San Jose are off, but they, you know, they won three games down there uh, when they were through California earlier in the month in a row. So, um, you know, I, I can understand where the, the trepidation is. I mean, I, I don't think the Leafs can, you know, you're, you're looking for them to win 60% or more of their games and they've lost three in a row and they're going to play some tough ones. So, you know, it, it obviously it could get out of hand, but it also could be sort of turning point too. And so, you know, we'll just have to see how those games go. At least one person uh, in the ask CJ questions asked if you would be on the road in Calgary uh, this week, which would mean an in-person show. Uh, I don't have the heart to tell them the bad news. Yeah, I regret to inform you that's not the case. It's funny. I don't miss the day-to-day travel, but as I say, like this was always one of my favorite trips. And I was even thinking this morning, like it would be cool to be going out to, you know, in the middle of January, I'm sure the weather, I was complaining about the weather here. I'm sure it's even colder in Alberta. Oh, like going is. to like real, real Canadiana cities for games. I mean, it, it's, it's a, I, I would I would not be complaining if that was my lot in life this week, but instead I'll just be staying up a little later than normal to to watch the games on television. It could be worse. You could be following. I don't know how much it could be worse to be honest with you. It's a pretty good life you have. Yeah, yeah. I'm not, <laughs> but no, I'm not. Unfortunately, on the road. It's funny too. Like you know this, but three of my best buddies, childhood friends, always go to the Leafs game in Calgary because they live in the Calgary area and they're from Ontario and it's one game a year and they always make a point of it. So kind of sad. I won't be seeing those guys. And, um, cause I always, when I was out there covering those games would have a chance to catch a dinner with them or a drink or what have you, depending on the timing. So yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a big week though. Like the, the, the temperature, you know, I guess that maybe what I'm not capturing, the temperature is definitely up a little bit around the Leafs. You know, we saw John Tavares benched for a portion of the third period on, in Saturday's game against Colorado, Sheldon Keefe, put the, his forward lines in a massive blender for Sunday's game against Detroit, uh, you know, might've found something a little bit, you know, Domi and Marner in particular had a strong night uh, playing together. And, you know, it's not something they've done much this year. They, they did it. The one game Austin Matthews was, uh, you know, missed with, because he was sick last month and, and, you know, maybe they've, they've hit on a duo there, but it, it feels like they're searching for something a little bit. And then on, you add on top of that, just the layer of, the uncertainty with the goaltending, with Joseph Wall still being a ways off uh, returning, you know Martin Jones maybe, uh, you know he's had he had a great run. I mean I'm not going to take anything away from the guy, but you know can he keep that going? Maybe we're starting to see some signs of cracks there. And you know Samsonov, you know well he did have a decent start against Detroit. Who knows what you're going to get? So it, it feels it definitely feels uncertain. If you're looking, if you're trying to like look closely at the patient and be like, are there is there issues here? I mean there's there's definitely some issues. I guess I just don't. I, I don't know to to conclude how serious or not they are, whether they can be something that can be overcome or not. Um, and then, of course, we've still got the specter of the trade deadline coming and, and opportunities for the Leafs to change their makeup, too, you know, as with all the teams uh, that have some ambition for this year. 
in, in all seriousness, I, I completely understand why it, it, it's sort of difficult to assess it because the Leafs could easily win like four in a row on this road trip and then everything is sunshine and lollipops again. Like or 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 maybe not. You sh- maybe I shouldn't say that because at the end of the day, this is a market that it, it's it has become Stanley Cup or bust. But to to go through the last two games, uh, where with Colorado and Detroit, of of course you see a lot of panic for for some fans and the temperature is up and all that. But all you have to do is just pick up some wins, and sh- it does shut a lot of people up, as some have said in the past. So I I can understand yeah. why it's a little difficult to assess that situation. And let's not let's let's not get past the larger point here, right? I mean, we all know that if the Leafs had another 115 point season, which it absolutely does not look like they're going to do with the way the first half has gone, no one was going to be saying this is a different team yet, right? I mean, it, it, the the other part of this, of course, you have to make the playoffs, or else the whole point is irrelevant. But I think the Leafs are going to be judged by and large by what happens in April and potentially in May um, more than the than the regular season. So I, I feel like you almost. Similarly, if they went on a seven-game winning streak, we'd probably be saying, well, you can't get too high because there's still these questions. I feel like when they lose a couple games, you know, back-to-back, you know, they have leads in the games. The, the Detroit game, it was a one-goal game with an empty net goal. I mean, again, they're not losing 7-1 to teams here. I mean, they're, they're kind of right there. So I, I feel like similarly, I don't want to start re- overreacting the other way just yet. I think that's a good uh, – it's good and wise. It's good to know that someone – keeps their head on straight around here. Now I don't do an LFR after every game. So I feel like, I feel like if you actually, or I don't even write on every game anymore. I mean, that's, that's the other thing. Like, like I I feel like when you're, it's your job to react to every single game, you end up riding the roller coaster more just because, I mean, if, again, if you're just talking about that individual game, I mean, there's some games that are exciting and great. And then there's other games you're like, Oh wow, that was kind of boring and they didn't have it. And, and what have you. And so I, I do feel like, when you're when you're judging a team literally game by game by game, it's funny. Like executives have told me this about their own team. Like sometimes when you watch your own team so much, like you end up almost like being like overly down on certain players, or like it's like you see every mistake, or like you feel the the disappointments, and you don't have the bigger picture that hey, like literally every team struggles. And and you know Sheldon Keefe had some really nice words about the Avalanche's top players. You know how it's it's like not the NHL level when you have. McCarr and McKinnon and Devin Taves out there. He's saying it's, you know, something a little higher, but you know, I bet if he was watching every avalanche game live from the bench, like Jared Bednar is, or, or watching him back on video, there's probably some nights he's like, Ugh. I mean, these are great players, but they didn't have a great night. Right. I mean, that's, we could say the same thing about Matthews and Marner and Nylander and you know, like the Leafs. Some, sometimes those guys have four and five point games. I mean, Matthew said, I don't know where he's at for goals now, but he still leads the league. I know. And, and, you know, but then other nights he just he wasn't as noticeable as you'd like. And so I think that's really what it comes down to. If you're really hyper-focused on any one team or one player, you're probably going to find some faults there. Um, you know, but you, you, you can't watch 32 teams that way. I mean, it just almost – there's not enough hours in the day uh, to do that. And so I think that's some of where the, the, the coverage of the Leafs, you know, that's why it is as it is. I mean, it's a – look, it's a passionate hockey market. You know, I'm going to be on overdrive later today. I feel like that's always where, oh. in, but, but I feel like that's always where I get the, the, the random sampling of like, what's the word on the street? You know, what's the water cooler buzz around the team. And I'm sure there's going to be an urgency to those questions there too, because you know, it's, it's the middle of winter and people are worried. Yeah, of course uh, they, yes. 
Um, let's go to Corey Perry and uh, the rest of our rundown for the CJ show today. Uh, you wrote a uh, story on on Corey Perry over the weekend. NHL playoff teams could use Corey Perry, but how many will want to sign him? Last we saw him uh, the uh, a couple months ago in Chicago, his contract terminated after he was dismissed due to an incident. We do not know what the incident is to this point, but an incident led to his contract being terminated. And uh, there were some people wondering if he would have to be reinstated in some way uh, in order to come back to the National Hockey League. But it turns out there was no need for him to be reinstated because no hurdle existed in front of him. So he's free to sign with whatever team. CJ, can you break this story down? Do you Where do you think he could sign? What's the latest you're hearing on Corey Perry? Well, look, it's an unusual situation, right? And I think if we just look at this on the surface – a player with Corey Perry's experience, he's had almost 200 Stanley Cup playoff games in his career, obviously went to those three finals in a row. I know he was on the losing end of all three uh, in recent years here and, and won a cup very early in his career in Anaheim. I mean, someone with his experience level, you know, even look at his production in the 16 games he played for Chicago this year, nine points. Um, you know, everything suggests that this is a player on a league minimum contract that could help teams that want to win the cup this year. Uh, could could be a boost to your fourth line could you know again you can add him for free other than you know a small amount of cap space at this point in time but there's a giant but and that's the he had his contract terminated in Chicago under you know somewhat suspicious circumstances or auspicious circumstances maybe more more correctly I, I think that for some teams that's just flat out my sense is they, they just they're just not going to go there uh, even while acknowledging that the player taken in isolation is probably someone that can help their program. Um, obviously, there are teams that are interested too. And so, you know, it's, it's hard to weed through it all at this point in time. I certainly think that there's, you know, anywhere from four or five teams, depending on who you trust, um, that have interest in Corey Perry. And, you know, I do think you're going to see him back in the league because, as you mentioned, I mean, there, there's nothing that that is – stopping him from reentering the league other than the team signing him. He did have a meeting last week with Gary Bettman that was, you know, held at, at Corey Perry's um, request, basically where he wanted to update the commissioner on where he was at. Um, you know, since, since last we saw him on November 30th, he put out a statement after the Blackhawks terminated his contract and said that he was seeking, seeking um, professional help for some of his issues with alcohol. Um, and you know, obviously was very apologetic in that statement to, to the Blackhawks, to everyone who plays for the team, to anyone impacted by his actions, you know, he called his behavior. Don't have the words in front of me, but he, I know he, 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 you know, he was very open that without, again, we don't know the details, but he, he certainly didn't defend himself. Um, and so, you know, he, he, he's free to enter the league again. And I, I do think you're going to see him end up with a contender. I, I don't know where it's going to be. At this point in time, I mean, there's a number of teams out there looking for forwards in no uncertain order. I think you can look at Boston, Colorado, Vegas, Dallas, Vancouver, Edmonton. Um, you know, just off the top of my head, those are teams I think will add forwards in the lead up to the, the trade deadline. That's not to connect them all directly to Perry himself. I think that, again, that's where it gets a little tricky is just figuring out which of these playoff teams is going to want to sign him. But you know, I do think he's going to end up back in the league, um, Julian. And, and, you know, I know there's been some talk about Toronto. I, I don't see that as a fit uh, quite the same. I mean, I, I could be taken by surprise, but my sense is 
that I don't think the Leafs are among the teams that are really in there in a serious way, you know, having those kind of discussions. Um, but, you know, keep your eye on a team like Edmonton. You know, we saw them sign Evander Kane, for example, a couple of years ago after he'd had a, a contract terminated in San Jose. I think that's turned out to be a pretty um, nice partnership between him and the team. Unfortunately, I think his play's fallen off a little bit since he had that that terrible injury last year where he had his wrist stepped on accidentally in a game and, you know, probably hasn't performed up to the level he did prior to that just because he's, you know, he's lacking the ability to do so. Um, but, it, you know, I think that they're a team that, that certainly will have some interest and, you know, ultimately it's going to be, I think Corey Perry is going to have a decision to make. I think the, he will ultimately have a couple teams to choose from and he's got to figure out where the best fit is for him and probably where he has the best chance to, to chase a Stanley cup because ultimately at this stage of his career, that's what it's all about. I have to just say here, I am not surprised it's at this point with Corey Perry where all these teams may be interested in him. I think there were people after late November who wondered if this was going to be the end of the road. Of course, we we were still trying to figure out what this incident was, and we all remember the fallout from that. But well, I, keep I don't in know mind, you, there was no, there was no like, it, it didn't cross a legal boundary, right? Like he right. was. There's no charges here. I mean, I, I'm certainly. I'm not trying to sound like I'm defending it. Cause I don't even know what happened. Like quite honestly, I don't know the extent of what happened. Obviously there's lots of rumors out there, but you know, I think we have to be clear that, you know, he didn't, there's no legal charges. I mean, typically it takes something like, you know, getting arrested for a team to co- terminate a contract. If you look back over history that happened with Mike Richards in LA Slava Voinov years ago, you know, usually it's a pretty high standard to, to get to that. Um, you know, I don't want to say anymore, but th- this may not have been, this doesn't appear to have been as serious as some of the things that have happened in the past. And in the case of say like a Richards, he did come back and play after that. So, I mean, this isn't, there's certainly precedent for this. And, and as I say, I want to choose my words carefully because I do think this is part of the conversation, right? A lot of these teams in their own front offices, they're trying, obviously doing their own due diligence to to have a sense of what happened that led to the end of his time in Chicago. I think that there's now teams thinking, well, what else might be out there in his past? I mean, you know, like there's, there's a whole can of worms here. Um, and, and I think that some of the teams thinking about signing him or at least having the conversation, should we sign him are conscious of the fact there could be some blowback for doing so. And so that's, that's part of the triangulation. I think that, that everyone's walking, this is a little deeper than just, Hey, here's a player that we could, you know, add for 775,000 prorated and uh, he can help our team. I think there's, there's a lot more to be sort of contemplated there. So if the situation, and I want to be careful with my words too, it, we, we've seen the team, say, seen Chicago say there wasn't any criminal matter or anything like that. And if, and we're, we've mentioned already that it's not a legal thing, but if you're Corey Perry and you had your contract terminated and maybe you might feel it might not have been just, is there, is there something going on where he might try to get that money back? Well, it's actually, it, it's almost a totally separate conversation from the one of a team signing him. What's interesting is there's basically two weeks still left. It's a 60 day window from when a team takes a, a contract termination the way Chicago did, where the player can, and, and the NHLPA on his behalf can file a grievance. In this case, I'm not sure that Corey Perry wants to, to grieve it. I, I think that he's probably inclined to just move forward and find a new team and not, you know, kind of leave it as is, but you know, I think it's so important to all players generally that the NHLPA might end up pushing and, and ultimately filing a grievance on his behalf, not just about getting the money back, although that would probably be the outcome if, if the arbitrator ruled in his favor, 
he'd probably get get basically paid the, the amount of money that he would have been paid had he been with Chicago the entire time. But it's more about preserving the idea that an NHL contract is fully guaranteed, right? And and um, you know, it's one of the things I think is is still well. Well, the other sports are lapping the NHL when when you look at the way the top players are paid. There's a lot of areas I think that that NHL players can look at their their brethren in the NBA or the MLB and say, "Wow, we're really behind." You know, one thing, one area where the league does pretty well is it's it's hard for teams to get rid of a player. And and the contracts by and large are fully guaranteed. And so, you know, I think there is a world where this ends up going to, to an arbitrator where there is a grievance filed and it might not even be because Corey Perry himself wants that to be the outcome, but I think it's almost about something so much bigger than him individually that, that, that it's probably going to end up there. You know, that that's my sense. Um, which again, it's totally separate from the conversation about should another team sign him and, and what's going on there. But, but I do think it's kind of an interesting issue because you know, it's very important for, for NHL players to have those deals guaranteed. Obviously, it's a very risky sport. A lot of guys get injured and you don't want, if, if you're the NHLPA, you know, the union on behalf of players, you don't want teams to maybe be able to find ways around the guaranteed deal, you know, find ways to terminate a player that they're not happy with or what have you. Again, I don't think that's what happened with Perry. It's clearly there was an incident or incidents that, that led to this um, in Chicago, but you know, I think it's an important line for the union to defend. And ultimately, who knows how an arbitrator will rule. I, I believe in the, the case of Evander Kane that I mentioned earlier, San Jose terminated his contract. Edmonton signed him for a lower dollar amount for the rest of that season. And then, you know, the arbitrator awarded in his favor. And I think he basically got topped up some of the money that that was, you know, on his on his deal because it was ruled that um, that wasn't allowed. So, yeah, I do think I do think this is going to a grievance most likely, but oddly or, or ironically, it's not because that's what Corey Perry wants. I think it's what's best for, for all players to come. Okay. We'll keep an eye on that. This episode of the Chris Johnston show is brought to you by Babbel. The best way to learn a language is through immersion. Living with a language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. I've learned Spanish and German through classes in school in the past. And you know what? I've picked it up over an app or two. I know now with Babbel, I could be even better uh, than the uh, elementary school Spanish uh, I learned when I was a lot younger. And uh, Babbel, again, will be a big help with that. They have quick 10-minute lessons that are designed by over 150 language experts to help you start learning a new language in as little as three weeks. And uh, they're designed by real people for real conversations. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash Johnston. That's 55% off at babbel.com slash Johnston, B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash Johnston. Rules and restrictions may apply. Let's go to Columbus. Uh, I'm very curious about your trade board that's coming out this week. And last week we had a conversation about some of the goalies who could be available. We can add Elvis Merzlikens to that list, possibly. It seems as if he and Columbus... Uh, could be nearing the end of their relationship. Merzlikens saying he did not ask for a trade, uh, but he uh, the there is a mutual decision made to pursue a new scenario. Uh, he's no longer the number one goaltender in Columbus. Uh, he does like the city. He's just 
He doesn't like the idea of being a backup goaltender. What do you make of that situation? Yeah, it just feels like a relationship that's in its final stages um, where both sides, you know, it's not working for either side. And, you know, I think the biggest issue that's, I mean, it's pretty apparent is, is that Elvis Merzlikens has three more years after this season on his deal and he's making 5.4 million against the cap. Uh, his performance has not been to that level. It's not to say he can't ever get back there. He's still relatively young, you know, in his twenties as opposed to his thirties. Uh, so, you know, there, there could be teams out there that view him as an upside play, but that's, that's a big contract to add, you know, both in the short term, just to get it under the cap for the season, but even to think about the commitment beyond this year, if things don't go well. And so I don't know if Columbus is going to be able to move him. You know, obviously they're, they're trying. I know teams have, have looked at that situation, have considered it, contemplated it at this point in time. I'm not aware of any one team that's pushing hard to get it done, but you know, I, it's, it's unfortunate in a way. I mean, this so much of, I think our trade conversation, Julian, in these next few weeks is going to surround the cap. I mean, I know that's kind of been consistent with previous years, but this year, I mean, there's just not a lot of space out there. And, and so, you know, it's an interesting spot. I mean, they're, they're going to put Merzlikens back into the net on Monday here. You know, he hasn't been playing much since the end of December, you know, I don't know where this goes. You know, I think I think in a perfect world, of course, the the Blue Jackets have a trade partner. They they do right by the player. They move on from him, and everyone goes about their business in their way, because you know they are carrying three goaltenders now. They they have Spencer Martin, who they've picked up on waivers at the start of the year, um, as well. So, you know, I, I think I stay tuned. Um, you know, not to spoil the surprise for anyone waiting for the trade board 3.0, which drops Wednesday on at the Athletic. But Elvis Merzlikens will appear on that board. Uh, still finalizing the the exact rankings, but I do know he'll be a player that's on the board. So um, you there's a lot of goalies first. in play right now. You know what I mean? There, there really is a lot of goalies in play, but, you know, whether it's – obviously we talked about Jacob Markstrom a bit recently, you know, John Gibson, and then you got the the Peter Mrazics of the world, you know, goalies on expiring deals. Uh, Jake Allen, whose name's been out there, and he'll be pretty prominent, I would think, on the trade board as well. So more than usual, I would say that there are options for teams looking for a goalie, but it's a it's a strange year with goalies. I mean, every time we get in this conversation, I just want to like almost want to wash my hands and be like, I don't know what's what. I don't know up is down. I mean, we've seen so many goaltenders that have been consistent performers like an anti Ranta kind of fall off this year. Obviously, Jack Campbell. Uh, in Edmonton, you know, Samsonov, and it's just, it's just hard to know who's, who's good and who's not and what's what. We live in a world where, I mean, last I checked, it was the case. Maybe it's changed. I don't think it has, but Aiden Hill is the best save percentage and goals against average of anyone. And that's how many months after he came out of nowhere and helped the Vegas Golden Knights to a Stanley Cup. If you're asking us to assess goalies, we are probably the worst people to do that because it's it's impossible to 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 judge that position. You could literally come out of nowhere and and catch fire, and then you're the guy. It, it, well, and the league average yeah. save percentage is down around nine oh two now. Like I'm old enough to remember when it used to be like nine thirteen, nine fourteen, nine fifteen, and so I think we almost have to recalibrate how we judge goalies too, because what used to be maybe a, a middling save percentage is actually now pretty average or even above average. Uh, and, and it also shines a light on, you know, someone like Connor Hellebuck, like how tremendous his season's been in Winnipeg, all the suggest, success the Jets have had. 
because he's still, I don't know what he's got today, but it's nine twenties anyway, uh, save percentage. So yeah, the, 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 the average performance is down too on, on top of everything else. And so, you know, I, I just don't know. It's hard for me to judge how that goalie market will shape up. The other thing is goalies don't typically bring back a lot on the, in a trade, right? I mean, the, historically it's weird because as important as having a great goaltender can be that they're not usually the best way to, to extract uh, the most from the marketplace. And that's why ultimately, I mean, there's all kinds of reasons someone like Markstrom might not move starting with the fact that he has a no move clause and he might not be inclined yep. to move. I think he really likes Calgary from, from what I know. I think it's been really good for him and his family there. But on top of that, the flames, even as great a goalie as he's been and, and the great resume he has just might not be able to get that much for him where it's like, why are we even moving him then? Um, before, you know, again, not even factoring in his his say in the matter. So there's going to be a lot of goalies on the trade board, but ironically, we might not see a lot of goalie trades. It's kind of kind of what I'm setting this up for, and that that's you know, and we get here by talking about Merzlikens because I I just don't. Well, he's a goalie that's held some promise. He certainly had some great stretches, even in his an NHL goalie. Uh, it's a it's a lot of money owing his way, and look at the other guy. You know, Cal Peterson, for example, got the great DNLA, gets traded. to to Philly. Now he's in, you know, playing for Philly's minor league team. Like there's a lot of goalies that are making like three, four five million bucks in the HL right now. And so I think if you're making that Merzlikens trade, you, you have to be at least con- concerned that you could end up in that spot a year or two down the road too, if you're not able to, to rejuvenate his career. At least for a guy like Jacob Markstrom, who has, if you look at his analytics for, for goal saved above expected, he's been among the best and he genuinely looks different compared to last year or the 2021-2022 playoffs against Edmonton. It, you you look at his play, and if you have to stomach like $3 million off that contract, say the Flames retain 50%, you can at least, you know, he's actually playing well. Elvis Merzlikens, n- not so good with the 3.25. And I mean, the save percentage is 907, but like it's, it's you got to really be careful with with the, the money that you're adding. Again, you mentioned the cap, like, some of these guys have, have loaded salaries. They're bloated. Like there's going to be some salary retention and some teams might not be able to afford that. Yeah. And I should add on Markstrom too. I was talking to a goalie guru over the weekend and he was like, I can't believe that Calgary will trade him. He's like, there's just so few guys like Markstrom that, that have performed at his level as consistently as he has. I know last year didn't go great, but if you look at the, the larger track record, pretty, pretty strong for him. And again, as far as I know, I think he really likes living in Calgary. Like I, I just, as much as he, you know, there's some buzz there because I do think there's, there's teams that are at least curious and, and obviously Calgary's in this, this phase where they're maybe going to detonate a little bit of the roster. So, so teams might be wondering if, you know, if they might be able to, to shake him loose. I mean, ultimately, I don't know if it's going to actually happen. I, I, I have not heard. If if he'd be willing to move his NMC on my end, obviously you would know too. Uh, I would be I would be very surprised if that happened. I would uh, that's what as far as I would go. I'm not going to say no, but I would be very surprised if that were to happen. Anyway, maybe if it was uh, a real cup contender, yeah. maybe if it was a team he yeah. really believed he could win a cup with. Yeah, but that's true. most of those teams aren't trading for a goalie either right now. So I mean that's 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 the other side of this. But uh, still be on the lookout for the trade board uh, coming later this week from one Chris Johnston. You mentioned the Edmonton Oilers, or at least they were mentioned at some point early in the show. Uh, we should be talking about the Edmonton Oilers anyway. Once upon a time, we thought they were done for. 
left in the Western Conference basement. Why would anyone care about the Edmonton Oilers, you say? Well, they've won 10 in a row. They I think that. we were pretty good. My my recollection is we we didn't like go as far to say as like they're toast. Okay. I I'm pretty sure like obviously we talked about their their struggles early in the year. The fact they fell to the bottom of the league after three, four weeks of the season, like Yeah. I no one imagined that happening. Like obviously Our cup, we, fi- a cup final predictions were very much in doubt. Oh, absolutely. And we chronicled that, but I, I feel like we, we exercise some patience there. And I, I know our hundred percenters out there will back us on this, that I don't think True. we were ever like, let's, let's call off the parade entirely. It was not looking good. You know, they make the coaching change even initially, right? Like even after Knobloch came in uh, and replaced Jay Woodcroft, like it didn't, it didn't go great immediately, but you know, the underlying numbers now, it's not just the 10 wins in a row that that I'm looking at. It's just all the metrics under the hood are looking very strong for the Oilers again. And that's, you know, that's what they had last season. Remember the second half of the year, they were the hottest team in the league, them in Vegas, basically. And we know how that, that went for the Golden Knights. So, um, yeah, the Oilers, the Oilers are back to being where they thought they'd be. We just didn't expect them to travel this road to get there. And And what's wild, too, is... It's one thing for them to pick themselves back up and put themselves in a wild card race. The Los Angeles Kings have won, have lost eight of their last ten. There is a world where, you know, maybe this week the 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 Edmonton Oilers leapfrog over the Kings and they're back to being among one of the top three teams in their division. Like that is incredible, the turnaround that they've been able to have. Yeah, I mean, look, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility they catch Vegas during this regular season. And remember, there was a point, I think it was 18 or 20 points separating those teams at one point really early in the year. Um, you know, Vegas is dealing with a, a lot of injury issues right now themselves. And, and you know, that's that's a factor, I think, in, in some of their kind of middling play of late. But, I, I, I mean, it's certainly not out of the realm of possibility. Now, you, I don't expect Edmonton to win out the season here. They're, they're probably going to go through a few dips of their own. Uh, and obviously you're on a pretty hot run and you know, the last couple wins, like they won in Chicago and Detroit, like kind of close games, didn't blow those teams out of the water. Um, you know, wins a win, but you know, there's already signs that maybe that Edmonton slowing up a little bit here, but yeah, I mean, this, this, this is a team we expected to be in the cup race. They're very much in the cup race. I, I actually feel like this, this year it's wide open um, when we're talking about the the contenders, but you know, certainly I wouldn't, I wouldn't name very many teams before I got to Edmonton when listing those that I think are contenders. Uh, and don't ask me to do it. Cause I haven't thought it through deep enough to give it a real college try here, but you know, like I'm looking at Colorado, Vegas, Florida, you know, then I get to Edmonton. I, I actually, it, it, you know, there's a lot of focus with us living in Canada on which is the best Canadian team. Obviously Vancouver, nothing to take away from them at all. But I, I, I kind of feel like Edmonton, I'd put them ahead of Vancouver in terms of oh, cup chances. Interesting. Not like, I'm not saying way above. I'm not saying, but you know, no, I think the fact that they've, they've, but they have a lot more experience there. Right. And they've won playoff series. And like, I just think that I think there's a benefit to, to being where the Oilers have been um, when it comes to getting back and trying to have a long playoff run. So yeah, I mean it's all is well in, in Western Canada. I mean, I, I, I guess we don't put Winnipeg in Western Canada; it's more Central Canada. But the the Jets are having a great year. Obviously, the Canucks are having a great year. 
And now you got the Oilers too. What's going on in Calgary? Well, eh, they're they're not as good. I was going to ask uh, between Winnipeg and Vancouver, which team impresses you more? But I'm really intrigued about uh, the Edmonton angle here because on one hand, you're right. They, they have that playoff experience and look, they have two of the best players in the world. On the other hand, with, with Vancouver, I mean, Thatcher Demko has been great this year. Their, their frontline pieces have been great this year. You want to see them play well in a playoff series. I understand that, but I don't know, like that, that's a team that's gone through some things, a core that's gone through some things over the last few years. And Maybe this is the year they put it together. Of course, you could say that about Winnipeg as well. That's a team that's a little bit more that's a, that's older, uh, more veteran savvy. And Cal Connor seems like he's on the way back from injury too. Maybe this is the year they put it together. Yeah, I mean, it's you add it all together. It's it's kind of interesting if you're a Canadian based NHL fan because there is a number of different options where things could fall into place. You know what I really like about the Jets team is defensively how sound they've been. Uh, I don't know the exact number, but they haven't allowed more than three goals in a game going back to basically the start of the season at this point. And I think long-term, that's the way you see teams have success. They've managed to win with Connor out of the lineup. You know, they, they've lost Shifley here recently. They've had a number of other injuries, but they've just found a way to keep it going. I mean, look, they even kept it going when Rick Bonus had to be away from the team for several weeks dealing with, you know, an issue with his wife's health earlier in the season and they've just kind of been a resilient group. And so to me, I, I still think that they could shock some teams. Like I, I don't see Winnipeg as being like this giant fluke or anything like that. You're right. Vancouver maybe has more kind of what's for lack of a better term is like more sex appeal. Right. I mean, they got some, they got some players right at the top of the scoring race. They got four guys going to the all-star game. They, they play all positions because Demko has been great. You know, Quinn Hughes could could be in a Norris conversation. You've got Pedersen, JT Miller's having a fantastic year. Brock Besser is just filling the net. I mean, it, it's, you know, it it kind of makes a, a better high, like, you know, from a high level, you're like, wow, 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 wow. Whereas I think the Jets are maybe just more solid top to bottom. Maybe not the same high, high end, um, but, but pretty solid how they play. And then obviously Hellebuck's, you know, one of the best goalies in the league as well, which, you know, I think helps their cause. So, um Man, it's it's going to be an interesting from a, I mean, the fact that you have Rick Tockett and uh, Rick Bonus going to the All Star game as two of the four coaches who coach Canadian teams. I mean, it, it tells the story of, you know, Canada's teams have been better than expected, and it's maybe not the two at the start of the year everyone would have talked about is Toronto and Edmonton, and it's actually Vancouver and, and Winnipeg that have had a stronger regular season through the halfway point. Well said. We've gone in on all these really good Canadian teams. We should probably spend some time on a team that's not doing as well, uh, mostly because uh, one of their players uh, is returning from suspension. Shane Pinto on October 26th was hit with a 41 game suspension uh, for activities related to sports wagering. And he uh, spoke to the media recently, said that the suspension caught him off guard, broke his heart. uh, But uh, it looks as if he'll be making his return fairly soon. And it will be on a team that is at the bottom of the Eastern Conference standings. It is not good in Ottawa right now. Yeah, you know, I, I was watching them play a little bit on Saturday afternoon against San Jose. And it crossed my mind. I'm like, which of these two teams is actually having the more disappointing season? And, you know, despite where the Sharks are, despite the fact they're on pace for like a 90s era expansion team in terms of points, I think you can argue that Ottawa's season is actually more disappointing because the expectations were so much higher there. 
that they've lost a, you know, they fired their general manager, their head coach, you know, they, they lost Pinto for half a season. I, I suppose this is a, you know, it's, it's something nice on the horizon that he, he can return as soon as this weekend's game in Philadelphia in terms of his suspension being up. But, you know, it's, it's been a pretty disastrous year. And I think especially with Michael Anlauer and look, he's, this is an owner that's in it for the long haul. Like this, the first four months doesn't really def- reflect on him directly because no. some of these things he just inherited and this is where, where it's at. And it's kind of, we're now looking at, you know, where his chosen man, Steve Steos, who's, you know, the general manager and president of hockey ops, you know, it's, it's sort of about the decisions that are made from this point forward. And, and, you know, I think Ottawa is going to have an interesting trade deadline and, and, you know, we're going to have a couple sends now on the trade board, uh, given that this is another lost season in Ottawa. I think it's no, no mystery here, even though they had a number of games in hand, they just haven't been able to make use of that. They're, they're still right near the bottom of the standings and, you know, it's not going to be playoffs played, uh, in the nation's capital in Canada this year, you know, there's, there's some interesting decisions that I think will have to be made. I mean, there's obvious players like Vladimir Tarasenko, Dominic Kubelik, you know, players that are on expiring deals, the sort of players you expect to be traded, but you kind of wonder given how off everything seems with the sense, do they, do they look at some larger trades? And I don't have that answer for you today, but I do think it's something to start thinking about to have on your radar because I just don't think you can have as it's been so long, Julian, like this is the other thing, new ownership, new front office. And you're like, well, why is everyone so frustrated around here? Well, it's because this has been going on for seven years, right? Like the, the sort of quote unquote rebuild retool, however it was branded, um, you know, it was two seasons ago, I believe where Pierre Dorian told reporters like the rebuilds over. And so the expectations have been set where this is going to be a team with a chance to make the playoffs. And they're, they're just, two years away from being two years away. It feels like. So um, I think that, I think that it's going to be an interesting, I mean, short term. Okay. You get Pinto back and it's another nice young piece and let's see where you can get, but I think medium term here, what, what, what can Steve Stales do before the trade deadline? Maybe to, to shake up the, the roster, to position them a little better for future success. And to ultimately, I mean, this is a team next year. We're going to be saying, can they make that step? Because I don't think they can wait much longer. Less than two months away until we figure out the answer to that question. And CJ wears sunglasses on the CJ show after an exhausted trade season. We will get those answers. I haven't done that for a while. Maybe it's sunglasses. Maybe you're drinking a Moscow mule on camera. Who knows? (laughs) Did I do that? No, I don't. I I, I was going to say, I'm pretty sure I've never done that. Did you do that? I don't know. I just mentioned a random drink. No, but I like a Moscow mule, but I just feel like I love Moscow mules. I was going to say, I've never drank one on camera or, I mean, we usually record these at 10 in the morning. So I'm also not drinking Moscow meals at 10 in the morning either. either. It's, it's five o'clock somewhere. That's what, that's <laughs> what I would say. Anyway, uh, it's time for questions. Uh, ask CJ. Thank you so much to everybody uh, who sent in questions. Uh, there were a lot of people. Uh, I know you're over it. There are a lot of people who did say, uh, you know, how about them Cowboys? There are a lot of people who asked questions uh, wondering if it's fair to compare the Dallas Cowboys to the Toronto Maple Leafs. I don't think we necessarily need to subject you to that today. I, we, I, it's fair, though. I, I get where everyone's coming from. They, they're a team that gets your hopes up, and then the season kind of ends in familiar fashion. I actually thought Blake Coleman, while he was not talking about the Leafs, summed it no. up pretty well. I don't know if you saw his, his post on I, X oh, yesterday. I, oh, I did. But uh, obviously, Blake, being from the Dallas area, so I assume he's a Cowboys fan. But he's basically like you're just. It ends the same way every year, but you're still surprised somehow. And and I feel like that's where you might draw the the parallels. And obviously, 
massive markets, lots of media attention, huge fan bases. I mean, I, I think, I think the, I, to me, that's not a stretch at all. I think it's a totally fair comparison. Uh, let's get to the questions here from Ryan on X or Twitter, whatever you want to call it. What do you think of 47-year-old Terry Ryan suiting up for the Newfoundland Growlers uh, of the ECHL? I thought it was awesome. I thought it was, it was cool. so cool. Um, you know, for those that aren't familiar, Terry Ryan, a former eighth overall pick of the Montreal Canadiens in 1995, had a long, you know, he only played a handful of NHL games, had a fairly long career in, in the American Hockey League, basically some defunct hockey leagues like the old IHL, um, the ECHL, you know, but he hadn't played pro hockey in 21 years. And on the occasion of his 47th birthday on the weekend, he gets a call because Newfoundland, uh, where he lives out there in St. John's, um, you know, was down some some players. They needed someone to sign in a short term to play the next day. And uh, he gets into a game on Sunday and, you know, even got, to, got into a fight defending one of his teammates. But, uh, <laughs> you know, just a real heart and soul guy. I don't know if you know Terry at all, Julian, but uh, I'm actually Never due to catch up with him this afternoon. Hopefully we connect and I'm going to write a story about his experiences for The Athletic. But uh, I thought it was really cool. Um, you know, it looked like he kind of held his own a little bit. Like I only, I don't think he had very many shifts in the game. Uh, the ECHL doesn't make like time on ice and that available in their stats. So I, I'm going to have to ask him about all that, but it didn't, didn't look like he played a whole lot, but the, the bit I saw, I mean, put it this way. Here's some perspective for you. His coach is Matt cook, longtime NHL player. Matt cook is 45. Terry wow. Ryan played for a coach that is older than him at age 47 in a pro hockey game. And I know it's two rungs down from the NHL, but still like that's, that's pretty cool. And, and I don't know if you caught the interview he did with the local reporters afterwards, but he was pretty heartfelt over 13 minutes, just talking about what it meant to him. You know, clearly someone who loves the game that a lot of players retire and players that have great careers and they just like almost never skate again. Right. But he still, you know, skates four or five times a week to stay in the kind of shape where you could even jump into that game. And, uh, you know, I don't think it was done for like a sideshow. It wasn't done to try to sell tickets. They literally just needed they needed someone in Newfoundland at that moment who could play in that game for them, basically. And obviously that probably wasn't a long list of people. And so good for Terry and uh pretty cool. He was able to have his daughter in the crowd and everything like that. It was the first time she'd seen him play pro because it had been so long since uh his actual career ended. Well, I uh look forward to the story you end up writing on on Terry and a very early stick tap to him for doing that that sounds really cool from k-town 2272 on discord how long is too long to keep your christmas decorations up well my tree's still up and it's january 15th so but it's coming down it's actually coming down this week but i'm just so i think we're, we're at the point where it's this is about too long like i'm i've we you know i've, I've talked on here i'm a christmas lover enjoyer uh reveler and i do think it's nice like anything to brighten your day this time of year is fair game but you're getting to mid-january it's probably time to to move it along i've seen christmas tree stuff up like in february like january 15th doesn't phase me no and, and i'll say like i like it because sometimes i've been running out at night in my hood i like that a lot of people still have their christmas lights up like i actually think the lights are a nice on the exterior of your house can be you know Again, like it's it's been dark and gray here, Julian. We actually have a little yeah. actual sunshine today, but sometimes like just even having those lights, like it almost it warms the neighborhood a little bit. So 
I, I think it's totally fine if you have exterior lights up like right through the winter time. Next one from uh, Soap Dispenser on Discord. Talking about William Nylander's number more in terms of percentage of cap rather than the raw number. Could a contract be signed for a fixed percentage of the cap rather than a fixed number? No. Um, the league, it's that's why we call it AAV. It's average annual value across the length of the contract. And so either way, you, you basic no matter how the deal itself gets structured or what you do, I mean, a contract has has to have a total value. It has to have a certain number of years, and then the cap hit is consistent across each of those years. And so that that's that's the best way to get around any sort of cap mechanics, anything that might, you know, jeopardize. I suppose the only way you could do that if you're a player is sign one or two year deals, like short term contracts, and then keep getting raises every year, which you know, you sort of see players do in the NBA a little more frequently, but not as common of a practice in the NHL. Last one for you from Arrogant Madman. Probably best suited for after the All-Star break, but here goes. Which NHL team could use a Ted Lasso inspirational speech to kickstart the second half of their season? Well, we started with the Maple Leafs. We'll end with the Maple Leafs. Maybe they, uh, maybe they need some, some Ted Lasso in there. To, they need someone to put a believe sign up in the, in the dressing room or what have you. Um, yeah, but there's, there's a few. I mean, look, Vegas has struggled a little bit. Like, I think everyone has to remember, even the the, the be- other than Boston last year, which maybe didn't struggle at all until they got to the first round and lost. Not to make light of that, but you know, there's there's lots of ups and downs in a season, and so uh, I think everyone needs it at some point. I wish we could go back and give the Cowboys that speech before uh, playing Green Bay, but uh, alas, that wasn't the spirit of the question. But I'll I'll go with the Maple Leafs, just given uh, the way we started the episode, and it feels like a nice bookend on on the show. I think so too. Uh, for we will be there for every peak and valley every NHL team goes through on the CJ show. Uh, that's going to do it for Monday's edition. Uh, please subscribe to our show on Apple, on Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, early stick tap. Uh, we gave one to Terry Ryan. We will give it to uh, the rest of the SDPN crew for reaching a hundred thousand subscribers on youtube but we still could use your uh your uh fingers to click that subscribe button when you can because uh every subscriber helps around here hundred thousand is a big number though good for That's the a boys massive number oh yeah absolutely hopefully we could celebrate that uh for uh all-star week you know if we're allowed to do something like that that's coming up bud that's coming up anyway uh we'll be back later this week with a new episode Uh, Thank you all so much for listening to our American viewers or listeners. uh, Happy Martin Luther King Day, a day on, not a day off. For CJ, I'm Julian. So long. Thank you. The Chris Johnston Show. Inside the game, twice a week. Follow Chris on Twitter at ReporterChris. And follow Julian McKenzie at JK McKenzie.